Multi-Level Mondays is presented by Mint Mobile. After years of getting ripped off by big wireless providers, there's finally a better option. Mint Mobile is the affordable premium wireless service that you buy online. To get your new phone plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash Casper. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you know what that means. Time to think pink. About 30% of all cancers that women develop are breast cancer. Therefore, aside from the classic orange and black combo, pink has now become one of the colors of October. The pink ribbons you see everywhere are meant as a reminder to talk to your doctor about the disease. Naturally, your genetics, breast density, and age all play a factor in your risk, but it certainly can't help to open up a dialogue and find out what you can do to better understand the risks. For some, the pink ribbons mean more than awareness. Jennifer Harvey, MD, and Mikhail Strahilovitz, Golden State University marketing professor, wrote in 2009 that the women most affected by breast cancer, older women, often represent home and family. Therefore, these ribbons symbolize the worthwhile fight against cancer that threatens those values. Kellen Wolters, chapter board co-chair for the Missouri chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, says that she wears her ribbon with pride as it is a symbol of hope and solidarity. It represents the entire journey of being a breast cancer survivor, the good, the bad, and the ugly, she explains. Despite the debate around mammograms, like if they actually do more harm than good and if they can lead to overdiagnosis, Think Pink feels like it should be a concept we all agree on. Awareness is important. Check yourself, get tests, and stand with those fighting this horrible disease. That's it, right? Well, here's the thing. If numerous breast cancer survivors have mixed feelings about a month meant to raise them up, then that should raise some serious red, or in this case, pink flags. Sometimes survivors state that it's the reminders that are especially painful for them. Rachel, writing on the Scary Mommy blog, says that it's the constant presence of these pink ribbons that can be overwhelming for her. Quote, pink ribbons are slapped on cereal boxes, Halloween candy, bags of chips, and almost every other flat surface. Our local cafe has offered pink ribbon bagels in past years. Like what? If you just buy their product, they'll donate 10% to breast cancer research. I am triggered by this, certainly. How will buying fruit snacks for my kids actually help others? I'm a skeptic, I admit. And she has every right to be skeptical, though we'll get into that in just a moment. For Rachel, the constant pink ribbons make the entirety of October one big reminder of her cancer. Sure, it brings awareness and this money saves lives. So doesn't that make it all worth it? According to another breast cancer survivor, Tracy Marie, the majority of people believe breast cancer is a pink ribbon, a pink pom-pom pen, etc. This behavior is not only throwing away money to propaganda, but pinkwashing and trivializing a real deadly disease. It goes without saying that Rachel and Tracy don't speak for every person who has had breast cancer. At the same time, when we see organizations like Breast Cancer Action, a well-respected watchdog of the breast cancer movement, creating the campaign, Not Our Pink Ribbon, it should give us pause. There are quite a few people that have or have had breast cancer rallying against the Think Pink movement and enough organizations seemingly profit off breast cancer awareness that I really think we need to take a deeper look at this. Is there something wrong with thinking pink? And if so, how can we do it responsibly? Hello and welcome to Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati and today I wanna talk about what it means to think pink this October. Chances are you'll see quite a lot of people and businesses out there saying that they intend to donate to breast cancer related charities this month. 
But have you ever wondered what these nonprofits and charities are actually up to? Well, back in 2015, the FTC was actually curious too and went after four cancer charities in particular that claimed to help children and women with breast cancer, the Cancer Fund of America, Cancer Support Services, Children's Cancer Fund of America, and the Breast Cancer Society. As we've seen before, these kinds of scammy charities have pretty generic names that can make them hard to search for or easy to confuse with a more reputable charity. Like the National Breast Cancer Foundation is a solid charity with an exceptional rating on Charity Navigator. Help the National Breast Cancer Foundation raise funds for research and move closer But the Breast Cancer Society, despite the similar name, is essentially just a front to take money. The four charities said that they helped kids with hospice equipment, medical supplies, and medication. And the BCS even claimed to be one of the few national breast cancer charities in the US providing direct help and financial aid to those suffering from breast cancer today. However, if these statements weren't downright lies, then they were extremely shady and deceptive. Only a mere fraction of a fraction of the money they received actually went towards any kind of charitable aid, whereas the rest went towards fundraising expenses and employee compensation. And by employee compensation, I don't mean that they're paying employees a living wage either. The FTC complaint alleged that the higher ups at these four charities spent a hefty portion of donations on cruises, college tuition, gym memberships, jet ski outings, concerts, and even dating site memberships. They used professional fundraisers and telemarketing to do it so they could reach out to as many people as possible. And they were successful too, gaining over $180 million through dishonest means. I truly doubt that any of the people these charities called would have given a dollar if they knew that only three cents of it would actually help anyone. And that's right, let me repeat that again. Three cents of every dollar donated is what apparently went to actually help people. Just think about that. Now, I also think it goes without saying that so-called charities have more issues than just their fundraising. So it's probably no surprise that each one was plagued by rampant nepotism too. A man named James Reynolds Sr. ran the Cancer Fund of America as well as Cancer Support Services, while his son, James Reynolds Jr. was the CEO of Breast Cancer Society. Reynolds Sr. also hired his ex-wife to run the Children's Cancer Fund of America. So basically the Reynolds family is synonymous with cancer scams and they found a way to rake in tens of millions of dollars for years. And believe me, the Reynolds family could be an entire episode unto themselves, hint, hint, wink, wink something upcoming, perhaps. This is Lisa, calling with a big thank you call. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I don't want to bug you. I'll be very brief. I just wanted to thank you for your lovely show of support from the Cancer Fund of America Support Services. I'm sure you remember, we're still the ones to do the hospice care for the terminal cancer patients. Um, as always, in a couple of weeks, we're going to put everything back in the mail, the same for you. We just want us to call you and touch bases to make sure your lovely support is still there like always, okay? Now, I'm sorry, who are you? We're the ones, the Cancer Fund of America Support Services, we're the ones to do the hospice care for the cancer patients afflicted with all cancer. Now, wherever there's money, there are scams. Frustratingly enough, since there's plenty more generosity to be taken advantage of here, there will be more scams to be had. It might be upsetting to think that donor money could be going towards a concert or a luxury cruise, but how much worse would it be if that money went to promoting values you don't align with as well? This isn't out of the realm of possibilities. Last year, Open Secrets reported that PACs, PACs, or political action committees were masquerading as breast cancer charities. One of these, the American Breast Cancer Coalition, uses a robocaller that claims the group wants to, quote, support legislators who will fight for the fast-track approval of life-saving breast cancer health bills and breast cancer treatment drugs to the FDA. And at face value, this sounds phenomenal. 
save people's lives with cancer treatment drugs? Absolutely. Who doesn't wanna treat breast cancer? But once you dig a little deeper, any sort of legitimate, honest intention of the ABCC starts to become quite cloudy. From 2019 to 2021, they brought in around $3.5 million, but according to their filings, almost all of it was put into telemarketing. Sure, nonprofits have to have a way to reach donors, right? But some of the fundraising companies they used weren't just a little bit shady, no, no. They were connected to a telemarketing kingpin who was fined $56 million for bilking donors. This kingpin, Mark Gelvin, is the walking epitome of a slime ball and a sleaze. There's really no other word for him. He's purely disgusting. This guy ran a massive charity scam operation, preying off good-natured folks that wanted to help cancer survivors, disabled law enforcement members, and homeless veterans. And yes, of course, this does include breast cancer survivors as well. Gelvin was tied to the Breast Cancer Survivors Foundation, which spent less than four cents on the dollar towards medical clinics, raking in millions of undeserved funds. But does this mean ABCC is guilty by association? Technically speaking, no. We can't be sure that they were aware of Gelvin's actions when they hired him, but the ABCC themselves made sure to do their business in the dark too. First, they registered as a political organization, not a charity. Despite that robocall using language that you may hear from a charity, they legally are not one. So scammy packs can operate beyond the reach of authorities who regulate nonprofits. Secondly, ABCC is not registered with the Federal Election Commission. Instead, they're registered with the IRS as a 527 group, which makes investigations more difficult for the public, the press, and regulators. See, 527s can make expenditures that don't relate to political campaign activities, allowing for lobbying to take place. Typically, if your purpose is to reelect a candidate, you're required to register with the FEC, but these 527s skirt around those laws. Basically, they're called shadow groups for a good reason. They operate in the dark. Now, this doesn't mean that any 527 is inherently evil, but when you allow people to jump through legal loopholes and go unseen, you're still holding the door open for bad actors. Now, as much as I would love to say that there's just a few bad apples out there and the ABCC may or may not be one of them, these kinds of scams are absolutely endless. Back in 2019, the head of the Montgomery County Department of Consumer Protection, Eric Friedman, asked the FEC to investigate the Breast Cancer Health Council. He went after an entire ring of scam packs and likened it to an almost impossible game of whack-a-mole, which, yeah, that's not really what you wanna hear from a guy in consumer protection. What I find so scummy is how these packs seem to pose as nonprofits and exploit cancer as a way to gain sympathy from their victims. I mean, sorry, donors, I said donors. There are laws created specifically to regulate charities, but hey, if you don't like them, just apparently become a pack and tell the world you want to support the people that will cure cancer. A slight shift in wording and congratulations, your pockets are still full and investigators will have a harder time knowing what you do with all that dough. There are quite a few breast cancer packs out there, be it the Breast Cancer Relief Committee or the Americans for the Cure of Breast Cancer. I want to believe that some of them are doing good in their communities and genuinely fighting for cancer patients and survivors, but it's hard not to be wary. The words breast cancer seem to trigger sympathy and those organizations know that. If an organization is not transparent, then you've got one big question to ask, why not? But while nonprofits and PACs using nonprofit language are far more commonplace than we'd like to admit, there are plenty of others that exploit Think Pink for their own personal gain too. 
October is a special month. For the entire month of October, we are hosting our Pink Tag sales event. Every vehicle on our lot will have a pink tag with a clearly marked down price. During this For event- For every pink lid you send in, YoPlay will donate 10 cents towards the fight against breast cancer. Up to half a million dollars. It's a goal we can reach together. Save lids to save- 25 years ago, there was no pink ribbon. In 1992, Evelyn H. Lauder decided to do something about it. She launched the Esther Lauder Company's Breast Cancer Awareness Campaign, now known as the Breast Cancer Campaign. Call it what you want, empty awareness, pinkwashing to the extreme, or exploiting another person's cancer diagnosis. At the end of the day, breast cancer action firmly stands against all of it and has continually called out companies that are guilty of this rampant hypocrisy. Estee Lauder is one of the big ones. BCA claims that Estee Lauder has built their brand around a commitment to breast cancer. They take Think Pink to an all year sort of level. And they've even devoted pages on their website just to those signature ribbons. Typically, I'd think it's admirable that a for-profit company is so rooted in helping people with cancer. Unfortunately, the help Estee Lauder provides is kind of a joke. Like, yeah, they do sell ribbons. Yes, their products are pink, but what do they actually do? Well, they tell breast cancer patients to smile. That's what they do. As part of their breast cancer campaign in 2017, Estee Lauder told their Instagram followers to just quote, choose happy. And wow, why didn't I think of that? That's so fucking inspirational. Maybe we should just tell people with depression to cheer up too. I guess that would cure that as well, right? I think that's a great idea. They'll promote awareness, happiness, and quote, having gratitude and a positive attitude. But the last time I checked, telling a cancer patient that they should just choose to be happy is extremely insulting and tone deaf. This is the best we can do for a company committed to breast cancer, seriously? They're so committed that they've only donated half a percent of their annual earnings to put an end to breast cancer too, just to let you know how committed they are. And now before anyone says it, I am also aware that Mrs. Lauder created the Breast Cancer Research Foundation in 1993. They do come highly rated, and frankly, I don't have an issue with this charity. Unlike the last chapter, it's not the nonprofits I take issue with here, it's Estee Lauder itself. All it takes is a quick Google search and, oh, look at that. This past March, Estee Lauder reached an agreement with the Center for Environmental Health to stop putting PFOA, or this kind of acid that I am not going to attempt to pronounce, in their products. Now, this PFOA exposure is linked with, and you guessed it, different forms of cancer, namely liver and pancreatic cancer. Now, they're not alone, of course. Other cosmetic companies like Avon and Revlon also use the pink ribbon while simultaneously using potentially carcinogenic materials in their products. The root causes of cancer and how these things accumulate in the body isn't fully understood, but you'd think that if you're going to attach your brand to a pink ribbon, you might just wanna take a look at yourself in the mirror first and make sure that your hands are also clean. Type Investigations concludes their article on the topic by stating, you can help raise breast cancer awareness by spending $29.95 on Estee Lauder's limited edition pink ribbon lip collection. Though judging from their past lip products, it may contain BHT or tocopherol acetate, both of which are linked to cancer. Personally, I feel that this kind of awareness and support from hypocritical companies doesn't do anything. It's not holding anyone accountable or taking preventative measures. Estee Lauder won't even hold themselves accountable and they are certainly capable of change. They were actually one of the first makeup companies to make the shift towards ensuring they use ethically sourced mica. They cared enough to make an important decision that may save the lives of many. Now, in order to prove they're genuinely fighting against cancer, they have to make that decision again, but I won't be holding my breath. 
And this happens, unfortunately, quite a bit in the pinkwashing community. Susan G. Komen for The Cure, a cancer charity, actually created a perfume with questionable chemicals in it, chemicals that they failed to list on the bottle too. Now, I actually covered the Susan G. Komen Foundation, I think maybe a year, year and a half ago, and I'm gonna be refreshing that and taking a look at them again sometime in the not so distant future. But the fact that a cancer charity created a hazardous Think Pink product is absolutely pitiful. Naturally, there are also car manufacturers encouraging customers to buy and drive their vehicles in the name of breast cancer, because nothing says finding a cure for cancer quite like car emissions. BCA has also called out Kentucky Fried Chicken on their buckets for the cure. They've exposed Yoplait for making their products with a growth hormone that some research links to breast cancer. And they've accused the US's largest citrus grower of using leftover wastewater from oil corporations to irrigate citrus. Every single one of these companies was more than happy to slap a pink ribbon on their fried chicken, yogurt, or mandarins. It just didn't mean anything to them. And that's the real problem here. In my opinion, the issue goes a little bit deeper than companies just exploiting cancer for funsies. That's horrible enough, absolutely. However, when people see this little pink ribbon everywhere they go, well, they might just forget what it's even supposed to mean. And before we take a look at what the ribbon was actually supposed to stand for, let's take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Now, I know this sounds kind of goofy, but when I was in school, I had the option to take Italian. And since I lived in Italy when I was younger, that's kind of what I did because it would get me an easy grade. But now as an adult, I kind of regret not ever taking Spanish. And if you're like me and there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school, it's never too late to start with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross learning that new language off your list. And one of the things I really like about Babbel, and maybe this sounds goofy, but it's nice to kind of use the app and work with it while I'm doing chores, because I'm sitting there like while I'm scrubbing dishes or something, and I'm, and I'm trying to learn how to say a phrase that they're teaching me. And I don't know why, but it just clicks better that way. And I'm happy that they have the flexibility to do that. And with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson. So you can start having real life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I should actually be taking some French too, since I am horrific at pronouncing anything that's French. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent. And right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash MLM. That's babbel.com slash MLM for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Have your pumpkin spice and eat it too this fall season with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market. From brunch kits to a fall dessert board, you'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions like tailgating, Oktoberfest, and more. And simply put, HelloFresh can make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And they have a little something for everybody at the table. Do you have a packed fall calendar? Well, HelloFresh's quick and easy meals like their 20 minute recipes or low prep and easy cleanup options will have you spending less time in the kitchen and more time with your loved ones. And I love their one pan recipes. They are an absolute game changer. I cannot recommend any of those enough. 
And HelloFresh is gonna work with your ever-changing schedule. Plans are flexible and you can choose your meals for the week, update your preferences, or change your delivery day all in the HelloFresh app. And along with having veggie options, they now also have vegan options. I just recently had their like veggie equivalent of Sloppy Joes, which they called like plant-based Messy Janes, I think. They were really good, by the way. If you see those on your upcoming menus, they should not be skipped. That was really good. So if you're ready to get your fall dinner in order, make sure you go to hellofresh.com MLM65 and use code MLM65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com MLM65 and use code MLM65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Before there was pink, there was peach. According to Y, Charlotte Haley started a breast cancer movement in the 1980s after her older sister and daughter, Nancy, were both diagnosed. She wanted better funding, promotion for self-exams, and testing. A little card that came along with this peach ribbon read, breast cancer awareness ribbon, join this grassroots movement. Help us to wake up our legislators and America by wearing this ribbon. And I applaud Charlotte, seriously. She saw how helpful the red ribbon had been for spreading AIDS awareness and wanted to do the same for her peach ribbon and breast cancer. She even mailed about 40,000 ribbons all over the world, trying to spark new conversations. But then came the commercialization. Nancy said that Self Magazine and the editor at the time, Alexandra Penny, took an interest in the peach ribbon. She claims that Penny told the Haley family that companies were going to spread the ribbon far and wide and put a percentage to breast cancer awareness, treatment, etc but this didn't sit right with Charlotte. According to Nancy, her mother told the editor, quote, no, you're going to commercialize it. That's making money off of somebody else's pain and suffering. And I've been through that with my sister and daughter, and we just can't do that. And this speaks volumes to me. The very person that created the ribbon for breast cancer awareness, this mom that mailed over 40,000 ribbons all over the world to get people talking about this cancer back in the 80s and 90s, did not want it to be commercialized but Alexandra Penny didn't give a flying fuck about Charlotte's wishes. If she couldn't use the peach ribbon, so be it. She created a pink one instead. And who did she team up to do this with? Well, no other than Estee Lauder. Now, two important things to note here. Why did not interview Alexandra Penny? They offered, she refused. So this is only one side of the story. Plus, while Penny's pink ribbon did create gigantic commercial campaigns, Susan G. Komen's pink ribbon had already been created at that time. So it's not as if Penny was the only one thinking pink, so to speak. Still, there are so many reasons why the story is disheartening and upsetting. For one, Penny could have asked Charlotte what she thought was best and how she could better support the grassroots movement around breast cancer awareness. After all, Charlotte was a part of this community and she knew it well. If this editor actually wanted to help, then all she had to do was ask and provide connections. Instead, she changed the color, took over and pushed her narrative instead. And we've seen this so many times with other organizations that claim to care and yet don't really include the community they're supposed to be uplifting. Autism Speaks, for example, had no people with autism on its board of directors for years. You can't possibly attempt to represent or advocate for a community or group of people that you aren't willing to talk to or interact with. Again, I don't know Penny's exact intentions when she created her pink ribbon. It's just very hard for me to support awareness in this particular way when you look at the history of how the ribbon was created. This isn't the only issue people have with these pink ribbons though. There's also the matter of something called pink fatigue. When you spread something far and wide to the point that you just see it everywhere, it starts to lose its meaning. Seeing pink ribbon ads promoted by Hanes, Ford, the NFL, 
yeah, it does feel like companies throw a ribbon at just about anything and say it's for awareness, and then they move on with their day. I agree with health activist, Alicia Staley, when she says that the breast cancer community now needs to move into its next phase. Maybe that's prevention, treatment, research, I'm not sure. But when awareness is the only goal, these levels of pink fatigue that we're seeing aren't going to get any better. And seriously, creating a pink eyelash curler or even a pink handgun, cause that's a thing too, then donating a portion to breast cancer awareness certainly comes across as a hollow contribution. Even breast cancer survivors have said that the pink drives them nuts and they can't stand the cheeriness around pink washing. Back in 2010, the New York Times argued that the constant barrage of pink ribbons can have other downsides too. It leads people to believe that the fight against breast cancer is progressing when as medical sociologist Gail A. Sullick says, it's barely begun. Have you ever heard the old saying that knowing is half the battle? Well, we certainly know breast cancer exists, but knowing is not a solution. Yes, the rate of death from breast cancer has gone down, but there are also many misconceptions and unknowns still out there. Sulik also worries that the pink ribbon reinforces stereotypical notions of gender, such as, quote, restoring the feminine body when men and non-binary people can have breast cancer too. Plus, since the culture around Think Pink heavily emphasizes positivity and seems to only celebrate survivors, other stories within the breast cancer community may go unheard or outright ignored. What about breast cancer patients that aren't feeling positive? What about those that don't survive breast cancer? These stories are no less important and valid, but they often go overlooked in the commercialized, profitable pink ribbon culture that we see flooding store shelves come October. Now, this doesn't mean that we should boycott all pink ribbon events and products, or that this is all Penny's fault. I'm not even suggesting that all the Think Pink charities out there are dangerous. However, there is money to be made in this Think Pink culture, and there are plenty of people that are willing to monopolize and profit from it. Money that allows scam artists to thrive, that incentivizes the commercialization of that little pink ribbon, and that can trivialize the genuine pain and hardship breast cancer patients go through. Personally, I feel that Think Pink as a whole needs to transition towards using these millions of dollars for research and making more of an impact with its funds. I wish that October was about cancer prevention, understanding environmental factors, and learning about other cancers out there that maybe we've never even heard of. That's just my opinion though, and I'd be curious to hear yours. Do you believe Think Pink needs to change and perhaps think differently? But with all of that being said, that is where I'm going to end today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you want to follow me outside of these episodes, make sure to click my Linktree link in the description box. It's going to have links for all of my social media and all projects that I'm currently involved in. And of course, if you want to learn more about any of the topics and sources that I use today, there is also always a source link in the description box too, where you can go ahead and fact check the sources that I use to create every single episode. So thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Again, I hope you learned something new and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.